10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits. Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Big show today, coming up here in the next few minutes. We're going to be joined in studio by A-State Athletic Director, Vice Chancellor of Intercollegiate Athletics, Jeff Purinton, going to be stopping by. Looking forward to that visit. Yes. But after such a busy week over Thanksgiving, and you and I recapped it last week, what, six games and six days all at home, it was much lighter this past week. In fact, really the only on-court activities, mm-hmm. one women's game and one men's game. In terms of uh, home, you know, we went into a stretch out of uh, that Sunday game where we were basically one game at home in you know, 17 or 18 days after having six yep. in six days. I had just that, that men's game uh, against Mississippi Valley State. The women, we'll start off with them because they played first last week. Last Tuesday, they went down to Louisiana and took on McNeese State. I'd say they got off to a good start in that <laughs> Golly. game. 42-point first quarter, which is the highest scoring quarter for any team in the nation this year. Coach Rogers' team able to roll to a 102-83 to win. It was the first time an A-State women's team had gone over 100 points since December of 2015. Most points scored in a game for the Red Wolves since March of 14. So a big night yeah. offensively and great to see them get a road win. Yeah, that was uh, it was nice. I mean, 42-19 at the end of the first quarter. That's a 168-point pace. <laughs> Oddly enough, and this was, uh, as you said, down at McNeese, prior to Arkansas State having a 42-point quarter, the most a team had scored in a quarter all season had been 39, and that was McNeese. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Now, they did it against a, a non-D1, but yeah, go out and had the highest scoring quarter in the country this season. You know, we, we parlayed that into last week, a little flash sale on the, some season tickets. And I know to that, uh, yeah. tap into that with some things. But yeah, it was fun to kind of, I'm just telling you, I like this team. I, I've liked them since saw them in the opener at Louisiana tech, because you knew they're going to get you know, more chemistry. Plus they're going to get a little deeper, right? There's still a couple of people that can help them that they haven't had yet that will get back at or before conference time. So, I, I mean, I would encourage A-State fans to kind of jump on with this bunch because they're fun to watch. Yeah, I think they had 28 assists on 41 made field goals in that game. Six players finished in double figures, including Kia Patton with 20 points and Izzy Higginbottom, 18 points, nine assists. After, you know, she'd gone for 26 in the, the overtime win against Kansas City. Yeah. Not just six in double figures, but it was six in double figures, then one with nine, then one with eight. How about that? I mean, so you're you're literally two buckets. Well you can move it around. I mean, you were really two shots away from having eight people in double figures. The women now four and three to begin the season. Meanwhile, the A State men finished up their four game homestand this past Thursday as they hosted Mississippi Valley State. You know, the men have been home for what five of the first seven. They're about to go on the road for the next couple, but good to see them. Finish up the homestand with a win, 58-38 to 38 over the Delta Devils. And 
it was a slower pace than what we've been accustomed to. Give a lot of the credit to the A-State defense. Did a great job. Held Mississippi Valley to 29% shooting. It's the fewest points allowed against a Division I opponent since holding FAU to 38 points back in 2013. But Mississippi Valley also played zone pretty much all night long. So it kind of took the Red Wolves deeper into the shot clock on their offensive possessions and they only put up 39 field goal attempts in the game which is pretty much unheard of but they made 21 of them Mm. so very efficient and this was those games where like you know you'd look up and you'd think well gosh this is this is closer right now than i thought it was going to be but by the same token it was like every time it was one possession away from price starting to get out of hand mississippi valley state would make some kind of shot and just sort of Hold it off a little bit. The outcome was never felt in question. It's just the margin took a long time to kind of get out somewhere where you thought it might get. Malcolm Farrington's a pretty good story right now. He had 15 points in the win over Mississippi Valley. He goes five of nine from three. Malcolm now with at least four three-pointers made in four consecutive games. The last person to do that was back in 2007. Ryan Weedle did it. I was talking about it with Mark Taylor the other day, trying to think of just pure shooters, great shooters that we've had around here. And we've had some good shooters. Devin Carter was a guy that could light it up from outside and had big season in particular from beyond the arc. But since Ryan Weedle, I think Malcolm Farrington is as good of a pure shooter as the Red Wolves have had. And that's a 15-year stretch. I would think that's fair. Yeah, there were guys that could flat score, and part of that was hitting some shots in there, like you said, and Devin Carter being one of them. But, yeah, I would think just in terms of, hey, a guy that you think it's going in every time he lets it go, maybe you got to go back to Ryan Weedle to find one like that. He was fun to watch. Hey, you think of that team with Melvin Johnson and Kirk Van Slyke. Those guys could light it up from outside as well, but – yeah, Malcolm in a really good stretch. The, the, the first one of those I remember being around, my first year doing women's games, I just had that feeling with Amber Abraham. Yeah. Is that, I mean, I'd go back and kind of listen at this point, the games would be on cassette tape. And I can remember going to listen to it. And like, it just got to the point where like you could hear the inflection in my voice change just when she shot it because the assumption was it was just, it was going in. If she got a look at it, it was going in. And so it's fun to have a, a player like that. And that's kind of the tear Malcolm's been on right now. And look, I mean, Malcolm's not the only guy on the roster that can get it done from outside because Avery Feltz is one of those guys too. And so is Marquise Davis, who's been very good from three-point range as well. Well, the highlight of my night in that Mississippi Valley State win was seeing Marquise check back in. That was good (laughs) (laughs) because that was scary to see uh, him go out with a a little bit of a knee injury during the the first half. He did come back in. He didn't come back in in the second half. Hopefully that was a little bit more precautionary than anything else. But the Red Wolves with that win over Mississippi Valley now five and three on the year. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, Jeff Purinton will be in studio here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies we win our tomorrows wherever we play wherever we fight wherever we overcome odds we're winning our way simmons bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of a state women's athletics not just for a season but for a winning future seasons are short 
but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Pleased to be joined by our friend and vice chancellor of intercollegiate athletics at Arkansas State University. It's Jeff Purinton. How you doing, Jeff? Doing great. Yeah, thanks, Bobo. You're welcome. Appreciate that. that. You know, this is episode right now. number 71. <laughs> and uh, first time Bobo's ever applauded hey, for the, the guest. guest. I'm uh, no dummy. Well, yeah, it's I mean, your boss. The situation has changed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> thank you all for having me on. Glad to be inside today. The weather is uh, similar to our, kind of our last three home football games. <laughs> yeah, you're you're not out golfing today as we record this. We're recording this just to uh, be transparent here. We're recording this on Friday afternoon, but as we're looking out the window here at the studio, it is very reminiscent of the final three home football games. And Brad and I were talking about this last week. We've seen bad weather games. Yeah, and usually that's going to happen once, maybe twice a season. But four weeks in a row, I don't think just all the years we've been around football, we've seen anything like that. No, I can't think of any either going back to, obviously, at Florida State, maybe a little bit better weather, but you still had some tough road games and some rain in terms of the weather. Alabama, the same way, but not a whole sequence. Maybe one, maybe two, but not a whole month or so. Part of the reason you're in here today, we, we wanted to just kind of catch up on your first six months here at A-State. You know, when you were here six months ago, you had just gotten the job, and when you sat down for the first time on this podcast, it was kind of a get-to-know-you thing. We got to Mm -hmm. get to know you. You got to know us a lot better over the course of the last six months, but I'll just kind of start off with this. What have you learned over your first six months here at Arkansas State? Well, I would say the first thing, and I think we talked about it when we sat here five or six months ago, the big reason and really number one on the list that we would we made the move from Tuscaloosa was because of the community, the right fit, the right people, the schools, my kids, and my family. And all of that has been completely 100% what Chuck and Butch and the other people that I talked to about coming to Arkansas State. So start with that. So that part makes it easier to focus in on the job, which, you know, we have a lot of work to do. I think we've done some good things the first few months, but we've got to roll up our sleeves and especially take the football season and figure out how do we get better, just like Coach Jones is doing with the team. You know, we'll send out a survey. We want to hear from fans. There are probably some things we did that worked, maybe some that didn't. I think the the last few games it was hard to to tell what may have worked or what didn't work because of the weather and other elements. I know we'd all prefer to win more games, and that's certainly – the top of the list for Coach Jones, and I think we're heading in the right direction. But we'll continue to tweak it, and you know I want to make the whole game day experience top notch. I know Bobo feels the same way, and that starts really even with tailgating and Red Wolf Walk, and and I my kind of charge is going to be when the football schedule comes out, mm-hmm. mark those six Saturdays down, and let's plan on all being there. You know, starting you know in the morning, starting with Red Wolf Walk, and be there to support our team, and it's going to take all of us. We've had success before. There's so much potential, but I think we need to be all in, you know, starting with me and our staff and support our players and coaches. And I think we can do that. I just think we need to keep talking about how do we get there. So just with the job in general, don't even have to be specific to Arkansas State. What's been different about being in that chair than you thought it might have been? Yeah, it's interesting because people always say the chair, being in the chair. And Greg Byrne at Alabama used to talk about it's different when your name 
is signed to a decision or it's your quote and you hear it, but you, you kind of think you understand it. But it is different when it is your name and it's your decision and it has a, a big impact on the department and our sports and and even our town and university. So I thought I understood it. Now I have a much better grasp of it. I think, you know, you have to be very thoughtful, get feedback from as many people as possible, you know, and still make decisions in a timely manner. But uh, I think that's a big, the big part of it. To make decisions in the chair, you almost have to do it. It's kind of like calling plays or being a, a football coach. You don't know until you, till you actually do it. So you're learning as you go here, but as you've gone through these first six months, what's been the biggest challenge for you? You know, I think the biggest challenge is just getting it really our starting with our department, getting the culture the right way. You know, we want to work hard, but we want to be positive and support each other. And we've had to make a few hires. When I came in, there was some, some openings in the department. And I think we've done a good job with that with Brandon Cunningham as deputy AD and Bobo with marketing and some other areas. So getting kind of our staff set and then getting everybody going in the right direction. That part, and then obviously football is a big piece of the puzzle, and then basketball, and I think attendance and fan experience, we're going to continue to work on it and see where we can get better. Let's talk about football. You mentioned that, and as the average fan knows, it's been a rough couple of years as far as on the field and trying to get that product where you want it on the field. You came in in year two of Coach Jones' era here, and you know what he's trying to do. And and sometimes building a program takes a little bit of patience, but it's hard for fans to be patient sometimes. What do you tell those fans as we kind of go through this rough patch? Sure, I get it, and we all want to win. Coach Jones, myself, our fans, I think we are building and doing it the right way. When you look at last year compared to this year, we were competitive. We didn't finish the games like we wanted to. You know, we had the lead going in the fourth quarter in, I think, seven games. So how do we close that gap? And a lot of that's going to be depth. So a lot of that's recruiting and retaining our current roster. From my standpoint, from our fan standpoint, how do we support our our coaches and players? That's by being present, being positive. Um, But I think when you look at last year's recruiting class, number one in the Sun Belt, this class is shaping up to be pretty good. We got a couple big weeks here um, in terms of visits in Jonesboro and then coaches going out on the road, which are going to be pivotal. But I think we got to establish some depth, some of the teams in our league. And the league's ultra competitive now. It's not the same Sun Belt as eight or 10 years ago. But I think some of the teams that have success, including Troy, have some three, four-year yeah. guys on the line of, line of scrimmage. And that shows, especially in the fourth quarter. So we have a young roster we got to not only recruit and keep our guys, but develop them in terms of the offseason and the strength and conditioning program. Well, I've told a lot of people, people who I know care about Arkansas State, is that have these last two seasons been tough to sit through? Yes. But every time you rolled through five coaches in five years or every time that a candidate's name would come up and they'd say, oh, that guy's just going to try to use this as a stepping stone. I can't think of one decision butch jones has made with this program it's made from the mindset of a guy that's trying to get good so he can get to the next spot it's painful it's the long way but he is really building that thing from the ground up no question and i think you can see being around the team more and being at practice these guys never quit gave up when the bowl game was out of the picture they practiced hard they listened to every word 
Butch said, post-practice, they were bought in. We had a bunch of injuries too, which is a factor when you don't have the depth. I thought it was telling when we had senior day and we had one four-year senior recognized. One. Like, I can't even think of a situation where it was single digits. So that just shows you we had a little gap. There's a lot of factors in there. COVID was part of it, and you mix in the transfer portal and some of these other things we have going on. It's kind of a, Butch says, this is year one. And the first year was year zero. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But I never saw the guys quit. Our coaching staff has done a good job, and we need to stay supportive and do our part. Brad and I talked about this on last week's podcast, just how different the feeling is just walking around that building. And you mentioned year zero. And I'm going to be honest with you. Before you were here and in year zero, as Coach Jones refers to it as, I didn't like walking through that facility. Mm -hmm. The, the, The culture... I mean, the field just wasn't very good. And then this year, it just feels completely different as they put that culture in place. It's a positive place to be. Those guys want to be there right now. And you're right. They're, they're trying to just build this the right way. And you got to let this thing bake in the oven a little bit. Right. And it doesn't happen in one year culture. It takes years and it takes buying and it takes commitment. Even at Alabama, the first year with Coach Saban in 07. They, they lost was, to Monroe. They lost to Monroe, lost six games. Culture wasn't great, and it took time to figure out who was going to be on board and who wasn't. And then it kind of clicked a little early. You probably had a little – you had a little more talent already in place there and mixed in a few pretty good freshmen like Julio Jones, which always helps. <laughs> um, but, you know, Coach – Saban stuck to guys. it. Yeah, yeah. you get a Julio Jones, it makes a huge difference. Hopefully we can push a few through here on signing day. But yeah, if you look at Coach Jones' track record, and y'all are around him more too, so you see it. His attention to detail and his commitment to building it the right way is apparent. He's won every step of the way, I think. You look at his Cincinnati and Central Michigan and Tennessee records, you know, the second, third, fourth year, you can see the growth. And I think we'll see the same thing here. What has to be nerve-wracking for him and and you and us is that he has committed to building it the right way in an era where we're not 100% sure you can get away with it, right? We don't know in the era of the transfer portal, will these players let you get away with building it the right way? It's going to be a very interesting few weeks to find out not just the classy signs, but how good they do holding that previous class together. And if they can do that, I know they're going to be encouraged that they're on the right path. You make a good point, but in this day and age with the transfer portal, NIL, and all these other factors, the building, like you just talked about, Matt, it has to be somewhere where these kids want to go and feel comfortable and feel like they're getting good treatment in the training room and getting things done in terms of the weight room. So I think now more than ever, that part is key, and that goes to our academic support and all of the other areas, even outside of the football operations building. So I think we can hopefully retain some guys that maybe some other places would possibly lose, and maybe we bring in some because those current players are always your best recruiters. Other kids from high schools and so forth are going to talk to their former teammates or friends that may know somebody. So as you continue to build that, hopefully that will be a strength for us. We've seen this program not too long ago be near the top of the group of five conversation has continued over the course of the last several years to where just this past week it was announced that the college football playoff format is expanding from four teams to 12 teams and obviously as we grow this thing back to the level where we want it to be that's exciting news for 
schools like Arkansas State and teams around the Sun Belt that there is that expansion now and the opportunity, hopefully in the very near future, to get somebody like an Arkansas State in the playoff. Oh, exactly. And uh, excited about the 12-team playoff and credit to Commissioner Gill and the Sun Belt for putting us in a position to where hopefully we will have a team. I think, what was it, two years ago where Coastal was right there in the mix. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get a team in. We've already won some big games this year as a conference against ACC teams and obviously Appalachian State being beating Texas A&M. So, you win a few more of those games and you get some teams ranked and you're one of the top six conference champions, the Sun Belt will have as good a chance as any. So, you know, you come in and you, you talked about kind of you have to learn this job to a certain extent by doing. And you've done that. You had so many new people, myself included, come in to start a football season to a point where you just had to sort of jump in and hang on, right? And so that's what's been going on. But that's all the stuff everybody can see. You also – go into as we called it the chair for the first time and dealing with some pretty big ticket items in the department that not everybody necessarily can see from a contractual standpoint yeah so certainly the external things and the wins and losses are pretty obvious everyone can see those but kind of behind the scenes and i've dealt with a lot of these my previous years at alabama but our multimedia rights deal when i got here in June, I think it was up the end of June, June yeah. 30th. So I had about 20 days to figure out what our game plan was going to be there. So and if people don't know what multimedia rights are, I know you guys do, but that's all your sponsors and advertising and radio. So we're currently with Learfield and there's several other competitors out there in that field. So we've got a year extension to really take a broader look at it and make sure we're going in the right direction. So we're getting close to finishing that up in terms of our multimedia rights. And then we also have our Adidas contracts in the last year. So we're working on figuring that part out. We're also figuring out the ticketing system. So you have that. (laughs) And this is all hitting at once. And it's not just, hey, here's A and B. You want to pick A. It's not that easy. There's a lot that goes into it. A lot of people on campus you got to involve. A lot of outside entities and some consultants you may want to use. So... Yeah, pretty complex stuff. Because the ticketing part, you know, just kind of, because obviously people listen to this are really invested in Arkansas State. So it is multi-layered because that's not just athletics. ties in the arena as well. So there's lots of layers to it. So, yeah, so it, it may be sort of internal stuff. But if you say, hey, he had to walk right in and deal with the contracts for Learfield, Adidas, and Ticketmaster, then – people are going to understand, well, that sounds like a lot at one time. Right. And it's a competitive space. With Learfield, I've worked with them a lot, but that changes every year and the length of the terms changes quite often too. So, you know, it used to be shorter. Now they're wanting to push it out 10, 12, 15 years. So you also have to decide what makes sense for us and kind of where this, where do you think this thing's headed in the long term? When you were here as well, the first time you were kind of getting your bearings. You really didn't know where we were as far as a facility standpoint and mm-hmm. now you've been able to kind of take a look at, at what's here what needs to be improved i'm sure that there's a lot of folks that come to you and they want to talk about baseball improvements and the possibility of softball down the road and that's one of the things we've talked to you know obviously our coaches and and our staff and what the needs may be but also our donors and especially with brandon cunningham coming in as our deputy ad for development just getting a feel for what's important to our fan base 
because a lot of these things, it's going to take the support of our alums and donors to get it finished. If we're going to do something with baseball, we're going to need some philanthropic giving and some people that want to do that. And I think that we do have a lot of interest and baseball does need to be addressed. And then the softball piece, I know softball long before I got here was being discussed. I don't know if COVID and other factors kind of paused that a little bit, but we've brought that back up and, and put that to the front burner in terms of a game plan of how do we add softball because it's not just like everything else. Hey, let's just add softball. Well, you probably need to, you do need to get a coaching staff in place. You probably have to recruit for a year, maybe redshirt a class and then kind of build on that. So, and then jump into one of the better conferences Correct. in the country. <laughs> Both of those sports. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball and softball in the Sun Belt. It's right up there. Really, really good. Yeah. It's not unique to Arkansas State, but certainly it's a situation here because you look at all the things we just talked about, and there's just the, the overall development work that's always being done no matter what, trying to just generate funds for the program as a whole. But then you've got some spinoff facilities things that need to get done, and obviously baseball is one that had gotten talked about. Then you've got NIL stuff. So like it's an interesting challenge to find that sweet spot, walk that line where you're not in competition with yourself for the resources out there. Yeah, exactly. A lot of mouths to feed, but I think what you have to do is talk to your donors and find out what's important to them. You know, there might be a handful that they'd like to do something with name, image, likeness, whether that's an appearance for their company or a charitable deal at the hospital. That might be something that, that they'd like to help with. It might be somebody who has a passion for baseball because they grew up playing or they played here. It's something they want to give to. It might be you know, we're working on a new academic center, you know, where the old weight room is, where our offices are in the stadium. So that's going to be a great space that will impact all of our student athletes from an academic standpoint and a student athlete welfare standpoint. So, and we're working right now with Brandon and our development team in terms of putting together kind of a menu almost of all the projects we'd like to get going on and then finding out if there's something that would be impactful from your point of view let us know and let's figure out a plan and how to make that work. Yeah, Brandon was in here on the podcast a couple of months ago and he talked about exactly that. You guys were trying to have those conversations to where you could get to that point where you could go to a donor, show them that menu, as you put it, and people can give where they want to give. And I think, too, I know everybody, just like wins and losses, you want immediate you know, results and, hey, you've been here a month, what are you doing with baseball? Well, we really need to dig in and talk to our stakeholders and university leadership and find out kind of what was planned before. It's even hard to kind of find files or there's a couple drawings, I think, that were laid out in terms of baseball, but there's not a complete just architecture. You know, if we got the money right now today, we could just start. We're not to that point. So we need to figure out what would make sense in terms of location and structure and offices and and all the other parts that go with it, just using baseball for an example. Yep. But you do have to do some listening your first six months or so and find out what's going on before thinking you have all the answers. And this is an example, too, just the communication that you're trying to have with the fan base as well. You're doing that here. You're trying to be transparent with the fan base and kind of let them know where you're at. But I know you've also tried to do that in other ways, too. I know you have your state-of-the-pack messages that, that you're putting out on a, a pretty regular basis right now. Yeah, and that was one of the things early on a lot of people I talked to said, you know, we just wish there was a little more communication. Several ADs that I've followed through the years, they do a good job, whether it's social media or 
just kind of a every couple of weeks email that goes out where you can kind of wrap everything up and talk about the major things going on with the department. So we've tried to do a little bit of both and then state of the pack, work with our communications staff and, and Jerry Scott to kind of figure out what we think needs to get out there. You know, a lot of it is our events or congratulating a team and, and things like that. But the other thing is just to do some fan engagement too. And one of the things I'm, I'm trying to get to catch on a little bit is if people go take a picture doing the wolves up sign if you're out and about somewhere if you're in washington dc at a monument or you're in paris or at the eiffel tower throw on the a-state shirt and throw a wolves up and send it to us and we'll post it we talked about all the new parts within the department but even beyond that i mean you talked about taking the job when you didn't know who your boss was going to be and obviously you know now that's Todd Shields, you can talk about your relationship with him, but also I think a term that maybe fans hear but but maybe don't really have an understanding about what goes on. There's also a new faculty athletic rep. Talk about that and kind of what that role is, what that relationship is, that person in athletics. Yeah, it's interesting. Doing this interview, you kind of think about these things, but now you're putting it all together. We have we have a lot of change here. And a lot of <laughs> a lot of new faces and new people and and then you got to learn how those people operate and how best to communicate with them. But yes, a new faculty rep, Dr. Kern, he's been outstanding. I mean, he's new in his role, so he's asking me a little bit, hey, what do I need to do? We had Sunbelt meetings in Atlanta. What do I need to be prepared for in terms of the faculty rep? So kind of giving him a little bit of lay of the land. And then Dr. Shields is only a few months on the job as well. So a lot of us, even going to that Sunbelt meeting, you know, you had three going for the very first time. I think Olivia Schmidt was going first, second year. So she was more veteran than than the three of us, our women's golfers. So I was asking her how certain things worked at, at this particular meeting. So, yeah, we're learning. But the key, just like when we hire people, coaches, staff, when we recruit student athletes, if you get the right people that want to learn and want to do a great job, that's the most important thing. You can learn as you go as long as you're coachable. And so I think we have good people in place. I mean, Dr. Shields has been, he's been awesome. He's been so supportive, comes to a lot of our events. You know, he's one that always asks, what can I do to help you? Or what do you need in this situation? You know, that's the same message I try to send to to our coaches and staff. You know, I'm not here to just always tell you what to do. Like, how can I help you get the job done? And I appreciate that about Dr. Shields. One thing I wanted to ask about, too, was the Letterman's Club, number one. You and I, I know, sat next to each other at the Letterman's Club banquet a couple of months ago, and that's one of my favorite events every year when we induct former student athletes into the Hall of Honor. And one thing that I know you want to do is interact with those former Letterman, grow the Letterman's Club, and some of those best contacts, your, your biggest donors sometimes, are those former student athletes. Yeah, no question. And yeah, you want to take care of your student athletes while they're here, but also, you know, when they leave and start families and launch their careers. And we're going to try to do a better job of maintaining those databases and keeping track of contact information, you know, once our student athletes move on. A few changes there in terms of staffing. And that's another thing. We've had some turnover in that role as well. So Ron Carroll is going to help us with that. Zach Patterson is going to be part of that equation too and kind of get the ball rolling there with some more events, get some of our former letter winners back to campus. And that event that you talked about, that was one of the 
coolest nights, honestly, in the first six months, just seeing, you know, our former players come back and what it meant to them to get inducted into the Hall of Honor and special night for sure. You didn't hear it wrong, people. We said Ron Carroll's going to be involved with that, which we think about it makes all the sense in the world. If you've got a guy who's been here for 45 years worth of athletes coming and going, tap into that and let him help yeah. he'll deal with these lettermen. Exactly. A lot of times I'll just pop down the hall and I know if there's something I don't know the history on, at least ask Ron. You got a pretty good shot that he was around, you know, for whatever <laughs> happened through the years with whatever between Ron and Jerry Scott, we probably have it covered. That's probably 60 something years of a state athletics right down the hallway from me. And it's neat to see when our former football in particular players come back for game days they always pop in and see ron and and to see those relationships that have been built through the years we talked about football earlier but look there's been plenty going on this fall as far as athletics and what's been happening on the field and there's been some good stuff the men's cross country team winning a sunbelt championship the soccer team came very close to a third straight sunbelt title no (laughs) That's right. Four minutes away. That's right. There have been some good things. The golf team's off to a good start this season as well. Yeah, I've been so impressed with our golf programs. Uh, MJ and Mike do a really good job. I've got to interact with them some. You know, one of the first few events I'm out on the golf course. I haven't really played since July, but gotten to know some of our some of our golfers, and they've done a tremendous job. I think they're both going to have good seasons coming up. Coach Dooley in soccer, he won his 250th game. And that was home, so we got to recognize him. They were number three seed in the tournament. I'm still trying to figure out the whole <laughs> East-West soccer standings and why that's different than a lot of other sports. But we'll get there. Maybe we'll just win the whole thing and we won't have to worry about it. And then Coach Patchell and Coach Duvall in terms of cross country, you know, with the men's team winning back-to-back championships and the women finishing runner-up, that's an example. You know, I think soccer, cross country, and the golf programs have culture coaches that have been here for a few years and it kind of builds on itself and you can see the success they have because of it for as painful as it was to watch coach Gerwig in his first year and his young volleyball team play close match after close match and just not have that key point go their way night after night after night it was just as fun to kind of watch it finally fall their way and make a nice run at the tournament yeah no question they easily could have won three we had a few match points there at the end but I talked to Brian as the year was going, and I know it was getting frustrating at the end just to be supportive, and he's changing the culture there too. But he said the same thing. You know, our student-athletes, they've practiced hard. We haven't kind of lost our way. They're still locked in. They want to compete, and then you see some success in the tournament, you know, and that's really what it's all about. Basketball underway, and we've seen the women get off to a 4-3 and three start, the men's team off to a 5-3 and three start. What's kind of stood out as you've watched those two teams? What stood out probably in recent, just recently is how many points the women's team just scored, and I think more points You're in a kidding. quarter than, <laughs> than <laughs> yeah. anybody in America. 42 <laughs> points in the, in the first. I always think basketball is interesting because – it takes November and December and almost a little January for teams to kind of figure themselves out because there's usually, rarely, there are some teams probably like Gonzaga and some of those that where you have people that have been there for three years and it's the same starters for the most part. But a lot of times you got some new pieces and they got to figure out how to play together. And you almost don't kind of know what you have until you get into conference play and get into some tight games and comes down to one or two shots. And then you figure out the rotations and all those things, too. You always see Michigan State with 
Coach Izzo, you know, they might lose some games, you know, early parts of the season and they're not ranked. And then the next thing you know, you get into March and they're two seed in the tournament and just start to <laughs> run through it. So, yeah, I think both our teams are kind of figuring out their identity a little bit and, and we'll see where we are in a month or so. The student section's been great. That's they have. For, for those men's yeah. games, we've had some good student sections there. Yeah, they've been present. And if we can get them a little bit louder, that'll be our next charge. But we appreciate them coming to our games and and the band too you know that part of the arena is solid and i'll tell you what i think the band ever i think them last night after the game just the energy yeah. and spirit and they bring it every game they're into it and they have their little certain chants you know it's tasteful enough to where it's not you know over the line and then they have the little different songs and music they play at certain points in the game i've really enjoyed them yeah i enjoy kind of being the I guess they're contact person, right, in the department. Because I'm the old band guy myself, so I can sort of speak their language and learn something some new today. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to tap into what they do, conversations ongoing to kind of take what the band does and start spreading it. And let me say this, too, for the arena. band, in addition, and I'll put spirit in the same category, talking about the weather those last few football games, yeah. yep. the cheer and dance and band, they were out there the whole time. They were all-stars. And they... Yeah kept to their script and did their routine and played the music and so i want to give them a special thanks as well for that well we started off talking about the biggest challenges but what's your favorite thing about being here right now what uh, have you discovered about arkansas state about jonesboro in northeast arkansas that you really really like you know i'm going to go back to it it's it's the people i like being around people i like getting to know even going on a couple of donor visits where I've never met the person and just to hear their story. And I grew up in um, Northeast Florida, so it's kind of similar salt to the earth. People grew up and earned it. And we have a lot of that same thing here. Tuscaloosa was very similar. So the people for sure. And then the coaches and our staff, but the student athletes, just getting to know them. And I've told some of those stories and we had the Friendsgiving thing at our house with our student-athlete advisory council, which was a really neat deal because my family got to meet some of our student-athletes. And then little things, and I always say this to the younger people now that I'm not in that category at all, <laughs> but I got a handwritten note from one of our student-athletes just thanking our oh, me and great. Julie for having them over to the house and how special it was. And just I'll never forget. And same thing I tell that Justin – Park story from when I first got here and he stopped and welcomed me to Jonesboro so little things like that really mean a lot so I'd say those two things you know the first time you were here a lot of the conversation was about golf and yeah. the relationships from golf and uh, obviously Bobby Bowden Nick Saban were a couple of guys you played a lot of golf with over the many years that you've been involved in athletics but you mentioned you hadn't played since July is that right I, is I this really the longest stretch it's you've gone? A hundred percent. So it's been, I think I played those first few days like we talked about. And then we had an event, we had Ridgepoint and then JCC. And we had the thing at Sage, the Rachel. And then other than that, I don't think I've played even nine holes with my own ball since I've been here. That is for sure a record. So we'll see in the spring. Hopefully we can get some things figured out and your own ball you talk like you just keep one in there okay. <laughs> <laughs> no the scrambles kind of throw you off that's I, right i like okay. playing in them I but it's kind of 
if you get a good enough couple of golfers on your team, you're sort of just up there to putt. That's is that what Bobo does? Too. Well, that is what, that is what I, I do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's the first it, putting guy. It, nah, I don't like being the first, but because honestly, if there's one thing I don't completely suck at, it's that. So I could actually bring a little value. You just want the worst golfer to know they are. Just get up there and hit, and you go hit the first putt so everybody else yeah. can see the line. As long as they kind of know their role, I'm fine with it. Yep. Know That's your role. Exactly right. Know your role. Well, it's been fun talking about your role in the first six months on the job. And obviously, we want to do this from time to time to kind of let everybody know what's going on in A-State Athletics. But, hey, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you over the course of the last six months and looking forward to big things ahead yeah thanks matt and appreciate the job you do i don't know if people realize how many events we have and it's again it's not just the two hours at the basketball game matt has to get there and set up and break down and then he also has to host a bunch of our other events so Appreciate Matt and the job he does uh, for A-State Athletics. Well, I appreciate you saying that and look forward to uh, all kinds of big events coming up very soon. In the meantime, that's Jeff Purinton, our Vice Chancellor of Intercollegiate Athletics at A-State. we got more to come here on the Second to None podcast right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And now as we look ahead to this week, the men, we mentioned, wrapped up a four-game homestand with their game last week against Mississippi Valley, but actually on the road for a couple of games now. They'll be in Conway taking on UCA Tuesday night. You may be listening to this on Tuesday, so perhaps tonight the Red Wolves taking on UCA. Yes, if you're you're an A-State fan in Central Arkansas, which again, you know, outside of uh, Craighead County, you know, the next largest pocket of A-State alums are in Pulaski County. So take that trip over and see the Red Wolves. Red Wolves and Bears Tuesday at 7 and then a neat trip coming up on Friday. A-State heading out to Colorado going to take on Air Force. This is a return trip. A-State was able to defeat Air Force in Jonesboro last year, but Red Wolves going out there to take on the Falcons Friday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. I'm looking forward to going out there and there's not too many places we go anymore that are new places. you got to look at the non-conference schedule usually and hope that maybe you get to go to a few places that you haven't been yet. But that's what the men are doing. Meanwhile, the women... Well, by the way, I'm going to skip ahead. They're going to a place they haven't been yet. Well, they're going to North Alabama. Have they ever been there? North Alabama is you know, Thursday. I don't, not in my time. I don't remember playing North Alabama. And that's, so that's in Huntsville, so that's one, but... Is that Huntsville or is that Florence? Oh, well, it's kind of all. All right, all together. I mean, yeah, Alabama, Huntsville, actually, in Huntsville. Okay. But I was just sort of thinking that neck of the woods. All right, so North Alabama, Thursday at 7, but the place you were referencing is on Sunday, the A-State women heading to Fayetteville to take on Arkansas Sunday at 3 o'clock. So they'll be the first ever A-State team to play in Bud Walton Arena. How about that? So and even though, like, it's funny because not only is there little to no series history here, but this will break up a string of two straight matchups in Jonesboro in this series. Yeah, they, they finally got us over there. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then they turn right around and come back here next year. 
They do, they do. It's uh listen, and much is made of that. Even here on the second to none podcast, I give credit where credit's due to Arkansas women's coach Mike Neighbors, who mm-hmm. sort of put his money where his mouth was. He's a state of Arkansas guy. As soon as uh their coaches were given the ability to schedule in state opponents, he said he's gonna do it. Their non-conference schedule this year, and I assume in kind of a rotation moving forward, they played or are playing non-conference games against each of the other four in-state Division I teams, and it went on the road for two of them. To Little Rock and Pine Bluff. So it means next year they'll rotate through and they'll go to Conway and to Jonesboro. Say what you will. I mean, it, you, you got to tip your cap to Coach Neighbors and his program for doing that, playing not just every other D1 program in the state, but going on the road and doing it as well. Track and field's beginning their indoor season coming up this weekend. They'll be in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Pittsburgh State hosting the Boo Rogers Combined Events and Crimson and Gold Invitational. That's Friday and Saturday. Pittsburgh so. State's a big-time track school they have a big time indoor facility it's a it's a track school a destination for track people to go compete at pitt state home of the gorillas that's what i was going to ask i thought they were the gorillas yeah but yeah they big they have great indoor track facilities so you get a lot of big events up there all right anything else we need to discuss yeah since i, I feel okay. like i've let folks down of late well i wasn't going to say anything but go ahead i won't go on the rant i probably had off the air today during this but i want to choose my words carefully i want to say something about the transfer portal and what i'm about to say has nothing to do i promise you it's got nothing to do with anything that any kid going to or from arkansas state has done this is a blanket statement that covers all of it but if you're going to the transfer portal there's one of two reasons you've either decided you want to go find some greener grass or more or less you got fired that's kind of the only two reasons this comes about. In either case, spare me the tweeted out statements, <laughs> thanking the world and the coach this and coach that and how much you love the place. Because realistically, again, there's only one or two reasons. You either just got uninvited, which at that moment in time, how much can you love it if they just told you don't come back? Or number two, you're choosing to go play somewhere else, so don't tell me how much you love it because of that reason either. Go in the portal. I find this has got nothing to do with going or not going in the portal, but spare me the copy and paste statements and just go about your business. And there's not a lot of originality with those. No. They seem to all be the same thing. I don't know how genuine they are when, when they post those or not. I guess, you know, you don't want to be hated if you leave a place. You could say, hey, thanks, school, but I'm entering the transfer portal with blank years left. Even if it's going to be a copy and paste statement, shorten it to that. I don't need your Oscar speech. Yeah, I want somebody to tell the truth on there. Peace out. I hate this place. I'm out of here. <laughs> These <laughs> SOBs didn't play me. I'm going in the portal. All glory to God. <laughs> That's getting somewhere. But... Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Probably not. All right. Thanks again to Jeff Purinton for stopping by, hanging out with us for a little while. Who knows who's going to drop in here next week on our next edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.